I have to apologize real quick before we get underway. Nothing that I've already apologized for, but when it comes to listening back to yesterday's episode, I have absolutely no idea what happened to the sound quality. Uh, My microphone was plugged in. I swear that it was. But apparently, somehow, some way, the microphone audio didn't really pick up, I guess, so to speak. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, it appears we have fixed the problem and everything sounds hopefully a little bit better than when it was yesterday. So my apologies for that. With that being said, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, January 8th, 2020, and we are back again to break down another Golden Knights game, which this one was a tad weird and a tad unexpected. But the Vegas Golden Knights are losers for the first time in this homestand. 4-3 to three was the final against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com and site manager for SB Nation's Knights on Ice. And before we get to this game that I found to be very odd, uh, if this is the first time you're listening to the podcast, first of all, welcome to you. Uh, We are a daily podcast. We're trying to get back to being a daily podcast, talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, which you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you may consume your podcast. Uh, If you are on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to leave us a review and a rating. Uh, Let's me know that I'm how I'm doing as a podcaster. Let's me know how the show can get better. Uh, It's always a work in progress because I'm always trying different things. Uh, to be better, be a better host, be a better podcaster, be a better uh, discussion of topic, discusser of topics. Uh, discusser, is that really a word? I don't know. But in any event, trying to be better to you, the audience, the people, the the people who are so kind enough to actually listen to me ramble for 20, 25, 30 minutes a day, however long it is that we do this show. So any feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, is always welcome. If you'd like to, please leave your feedback also on Twitter at LockdownVGK or to me at DannyWebster21. Or if you like sending emails, because emails are fun too. Emails are nice. It is 2020. Uh, good, a good hearty email is still good in this world. Uh, you can send that to LockdownGoldenKnights at gmail.com. So let's get down to business for this game tonight. Or last night, I should say. The Vegas Golden Knights coming in, winners of four in a row, tied for their longest winning streak of the season, welcomed Marc-Andre Fleury's old team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the very banged-up Pittsburgh Penguins, who, incredibly enough, I and I could not believe this when I was looking at the stats this morning, the Penguins have lost a grand total of 173 man games this season. And that's, you know, combining the injuries of Sidney Crosby, Jake Gunsel, uh, I mean, anybody else that has been hurt to this point. The Penguins have not had everybody for a better part of this season. And yet here they are coming in winners of 12 of the last 15 and really still controlling their fate in the Metropolitan Division, uh, despite the fact 
that they're a ways away from catching the Washington Capitals. They are really right on the cusp of uh, being neck and neck with the New York Islanders for second place. It is quite an amazing feat uh, what Coach Mike Sullivan has done with the Penguins. But they come into this game against Vegas. Vegas obviously coming off an incredible high, coming back from 3 nothing down in the first period, their first three-goal comeback in franchise history on Saturday to beat the St. Louis Blues by a final score of 5-4. to four. You'll recall two days prior, they also won 5-4, to four, this one against the Philadelphia Flyers. If the Golden Knights were going to somehow get a win in this game, they could not allow so many goals. And for the second consecutive game, the Golden Knights fell behind 3-0. Now, here's the weird part of this. The Golden Knights fell behind 3 to nothing. But they were they outshot the Penguins 10 to 8 after the first period. So the Penguins were able to really kind of pepper Marc-Andre Fleury with shots. They were able to uh, get some dangerous shots. Obviously, the goals uh, by Malkin in the first period. And I cannot remember for the life of me who scored the second goal. Uh, good Lord, it is escaping my mind who scored that second goal. Uh, we'll we'll get to that in a second as I search for it. We like to do things live here. You guys know I, I, I don't like to just go ahead and just be like, oh, well, let's just pause right here. I'll do a jump cut. And it, it just doesn't sound good. Um, but Evgeny Malkin and Patrick, Patrick Hornquist, there we go. So they score two goals in the first seven ten of the game. And to me, what we're, we're going to talk about what the main problem was in this game in the second segment. But to me, the, the first period was dictated by two things. One, Pittsburgh was able to get in front of Flurry and give him trouble. That was the difference especially on those two goals. Um, turnover by Nate Schmidt into the neutral zone. Malkin gets it in. They work the passing magic. Uh, Malkin gathers the rebound, fires in the backhand, pots it, one nothing. The second goal, uh, Flurry makes a save at the pad off a Jack Johnson shot from the point. Hornquist is right there to pot the easy rebound. It's 2 nothing. The Penguins were able to get in front of Flurry and make like life difficult for him. The Golden Knights, though they had 10 shots on goal, operated a lot from the outside. And that was where the difference was for the better part of this game. The Golden Knights had had a lot of difficulty getting into the danger areas and trying to make life uh, difficult on Tristan Yari. The, though Vegas had multiple chances in the first period, to tie the game or at least get on the board, a lot of the shots went wide. So you don't necessarily see that on like a heat map when you're seeing the Penguins take advantage of those opportunities and trying to make life difficult for Flurry. The second period, though, is when Vegas started to turn it on. And if not for the fact that Tristan Yari is a brick wall, Vegas would have tied the game in the second period. The problem is, is that Vegas did a terrific job keeping Pittsburgh to the outside and not prevent, not really giving them much opportunity to work on the inside. The problem with that was the goals they allowed did not help the cause. Uh, Dominic Cahoon scored on the power play 418 into the second period. 
And that was a play where when somehow the puck just found its way through traffic. Flurry didn't see it. Nate Schmidt was kind of shielding him. And it ended up being 3 nothing. So now here comes Vegas down 3 nothing already in the second period. Max Pacioretty just fires a shot on net, beats Yari. It's 3-1. to one. Stasny scores at 14-18. It's 3-2. to two. At this point, you look at the shot chart. Vegas had twelve to uh, a twelve to four edge in shots twenty five to twelve through two, and you look at the scoreboard. You look at the shot chart, and you look at how Vegas played that second period, and you go, "Okay, they've got all the momentum. If they can just get one more stop, we can get a goal here to kind of offset things and to make this game even going it, going through the third period. Vegas was going to be in good shape, and then." That goal happens with Brandon Tenev, uh just getting behind Nick Haig, no chance, uh, and evaded the poke check from Flurry, and he scored. And then it's four to two. Riley Smith makes it four to three. Vegas has a golden chance with one to go with a six on four for a minute forty at the end of the game. Does not get it, and the Penguins hold on to win four to three. That was a weird game. And I know I kind of just went off a, off a weird ramble there about how all those goals happened, but really the the crux of it is that Marc-Andre Fleury allowed four goals on 16 shots. If those... Sh- I, I don't want to put this all on Fleury, and I really shouldn't, because the first goal really was not him. I mean, the, the bad turnover by Schmidt... That led to the goal. I can't put that on him. Second goal, maybe you can put that on him. I mean, that's a rebound that he probably shouldn't be giving up. But then again, Schmidt should not allow Hornquist to find his positioning and pot the easy rebound. The the Cahoon goal, really not his fault. The fourth goal, maybe Fleury shouldn't have gone with the poke check. Maybe Fleury should have just stood tall and try and uh, made the save with his body or with his glove but not with the stick. I, I, I don't know if that was the time to do it. Maybe if he makes a save, kind of springs momentum the other way. Flurry is that kind of goalie. We know that, but I don't know. that. Maybe that was the only goal I could probably think of was that one that would be on Flurry. And you know what? That's just a really a, a bad night for the defense and a bad night overall. Three straight games now of four goals allowed for the Golden Knights. Not ideal. But the fact that they've been able to win by allowing these goals reminds us all that the Golden Knights have that kind of an offense that can spring some life and spring some goals together. And to me, if you can do that, you're going to win a lot of games come March and April. Um, but but the key to this was the Penguins did not play their best game. The Penguins did not play their best game. Coach Mike Sullivan even said it himself, commented on not having the foot on the gas for basically the entire game, but here come the Golden Knights just allowing it like that. And, you know, unfortunately for Marc-Andre Fleury, he's going to take the he's going to take the blame for this. He really shouldn't. But when you listen to his comments out of the game, of course, that's him. He's going to take the blame for this, even though really he shouldn't. Um you know, I thought our guys played well. They had the pocket out. We had create some chances and uh, I just led into many goals you know and it's, it cost us the game tough to know I think we've had more than the last couple I mean a little bit of bad luck bad balance I think on some of them and 
some are going to make the save, you know, so a little bit of a combination, and um, it's tough to uh, dig yourself out of the hole after. So, long and short of it is, Golden Knights were not expected to go 7-0 and in this homestand. Would it have been great for them? Absolutely. The fact that they can finally win at home, and the fact that they're beating the teams that are going to be contending for the Stanley Cup down the road, you beat those teams, you're going to feel a lot better about yourself. Um, first loss in the homestand, you move on from it. You got two more. Um, I, I would say winnable games on this homestand. The Los Angeles Kings, even though uh, the Kings have kind of given Vegas a little bit of trouble, especially in the last game they played back in, uh, what was it, late November, early December, one of those two. Um, and then you have the Columbus Blue Jackets at, at home, which I will say this. If the Blue Jackets keep putting on show, putting on performances like they have, they're going to be a tough out on Saturday. I don't, I don't care how good Vegas is. I don't care how talented they are. Columbus is winning, and they're getting points at the right time, and they're coming for a playoff spot. That team is going to be very tough to beat on Saturday. I, I don't care who you are. So while you didn't expect Vegas to go undefeated in this homestand, there's still a chance that they could rack up at least 12 of, of a possible 14 points, which... That in itself is a huge, huge victory for Vegas. The fact that they're even over 500 at this homestand um, is huge. Um, what do I expect going into Thursday against the Kings? This would be an ideal time to see uh, Malcolm Subban get some reps. I think Flurry needs a rest. You know, play five straight starts. And again, Flurry's going to get a rest come the All Star break because he's not perform- participating in the game. That's fine, but I think right now you want to get Malcolm Subban some run before you get on the road, and you're going to be on the road for quite a bit. So Subban, a home start. It's been a while. I would say give it to him, and then uh, figure it out on Saturday. Maybe Subban goes the, these last two. It's not really a bad idea to think about. It really isn't. So we've been talking about the defense a lot, really as a whole. Uh, throughout the course of this season, the defense has been really the Achilles heel for Vegas. And if they are going to make a run for the Stanley cup this year, they are going to need, they're going to need to make a move. They're going to need to make a move to get a guy on the blue line that can generate some offense, move the puck and possibly put up some more scoring and, you know, not be a casualty or a liability, I should say, when it comes to making the play, making plays in the defensive zone. Now, a month ago, if this team is allowing four goals in three straight games, we're calling this mass hysteria. But the fact that here we are, them in first place in the Pacific Division, everybody is kind of softening their tone, myself included. Because if this was back in early November, you know, late October, early November, if this was happening and they weren't winning, I'd be like, I'd be calling for somebody's head. But that's not really that's not really the case. Fortunately, Vegas has rebounded to first place in the Pacific. You know, even though they're tied with Arizona, who's now won four in a row, and more on them later. Vegas has done what it's need to do to stay afloat and reel off these uh, these wins, which has been very beneficial to the Golden Knights to this point. But we are starting to see cracks in the defense group. And this is the time where you need to make sure that the guys you have on this roster are going to be the ones that you can rely on going into the playoffs. 
Nate Schmidt. I was asked, I, I did a spot on ESPN radio about a couple weeks ago. Maybe, maybe it was about a week, week and a half ago. And, um, I was asked, what did I think about Nate Schmidt? And did I think Nate Schmidt was still good? And I, and I answered, I said, you know, I thought, I think he was fine. You know, it, it, I think a lot, of, I think for me, when I look at Schmidt, I want to see him get more involved in the offense. I want to see him drive the offense a little bit more. I thought giving him some power play time would help that. But Nate Schmidt has really been bad in the last couple of games, especially the one in Philly. Um, I think it was a minus two against Philly. And then he he was on the ice for the first three goals allowed uh, last night against Pittsburgh. And the two goals, especially the one where he had the turnover uh, that led to the Malkin goal, that was completely bad decision by him. And then the second goal, the Hornquist one, Hornquist just battles for position after Fleury makes a stop with a rebound. And then there's no one left to kind of get in Hornquist's way when he, when he, uh, pots in the rebound and really it, it, the Golden Knights did sign Nate Schmidt to this contract extension, knowing that he would be the top shutdown defenseman right now. That's not the guy they signed. And, and there's still plenty of time for him to turn it around. I, I, you're not going to find really a harder worker on the blue line than Nate Schmidt. Like for all the, for all the for all the humor he brings, for all the jokes he tells, for all the the witty humor that he brings every day when we talk to him, um, he's still a very hard worker at his craft, and I think that he is still a vital part to this team. That's he's just in a bad stretch right now. That that would be the best way I can describe it. Um, the fourth goal of that game last night was. Because well, two things: one, Flurry with the poke check. I think that was a bad move. But second of all, uh, Brandon Tanev should not have been able to blow by Nicholas Haig that easily. And that is kind of the the territory you walk in with when you are having a rookie on the blue line. You can put as many veterans as you want, but there's go- there are going to come those mistakes that a rookie is going to make. And that and we're, I'm not talking as if Nicholas Haig has made so many bad decisions this year. He's been more good than bad. Has he been you know electrifying? No. But he's racking up assists lately and that's really all you can ask from a guy who has always been an offensive-minded defenseman who continues to improve on the on the defensive end. He had one bad moment unfortunately for the Golden Knights, that bad moment led to a goal that made it much more difficult to come back from. And to me, if you are going to compete this year, you're going to need someone to either A, offset those deficiencies, or B, get someone where you know can either mask them or can completely overshadow them. And that's the kind of problem you're running into if you're the Golden Knights. Derek Englund and Nick Holden are not difference makers. John Merrill, we still aren't sure. At this point, you'd rather have John Merrill be a fourth line forward at this rate than you would have him as a defenseman because, you know, narrative and stats say otherwise. But it is going to be the biggest storyline heading into after the All-Star, not heading into, but more so after the All-Star break, 
and after the bye week. Because the Golden Knights are going to have three weeks to decide if this is the roster they want to take into the playoffs and if this is the roster that can carry them to the Stanley Cup. Because, let's face it, the Golden Knights are going to probably finish in the top two in the Pacific Division. They are either going to host the first two rounds of the playoffs or they are going to host at least the first round. We have now accepted the fact that this team is going back to the playoffs, or at least I have. I, barring a dramatic collapse, I would expect this team to make the playoffs. Is this roster good enough to get you past at least the second round? Tough to say, which is why these next few weeks are going to be interesting. And these next few weeks after the bye week and after the All-Star break are going to be interesting. Because I remember talking to George McPhee last year. I talked to him uh, one-on-one on the phone uh, during the bye week. And I asked him, you know, what do you feel like this is the team that you can roll with going into the playoffs? Do you feel like the team right now currently constructed can make the playoffs? And he said he did not anticipate making any moves going into the deadline. Now, I don't know where really the difference lies between George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon. But what I can probably gather from that is George McPhee definitely has had a large influence on Kelly McCrimmon. Kelly McCrimmon will likely think the same way that George McPhee has. And he may say three weeks out before the deadline, oh, I think we're fine with where we are. And then they go on a losing streak. And then all of a sudden hit the panic button and you got Mark Stone. Is that deal going to come by? That type of deal is not going to come by uh, this year unless by some act of divine intervention, the Golden Knights somehow land Alex Petrangelo or something. But uh, uh, that's not likely going to happen. The Golden Knights do need a difference maker, and they're going to need a difference maker on the blue line because once they get healthy in the forward core, we can have another discussion another day about where I think the forwards should line up. But right now, as it stands, they need a difference maker on the blue line. Not someone who's going to take Shea's minutes, not one who's going to take Nate's minutes, not one who's going to kind of overshadow what Brady McNabb does. These are, this is a crucial time for the Golden Knights if they want to win the Stanley Cup this year. They have the roster to do it, they have the talent to do it, but they are lacking one or two guys. And to me, that's where you need to address it, and that's where the biggest question between now and the deadline is going to come from. So it'll be very interesting to watch over the next couple of next couple of weeks where Vegas stands heading in one in, heading into the break, two coming out of the break, can they sustain it? And they're going to have a they're going to have a uh, a very difficult stretch coming up especially on the road. I think I think it's eight straight on the road uh which is broken up in in the bye week and then they have a huge home stand after that which features some very top teams, some very top-heavy good teams. So if, if they're going to make a move, now's the time to start planning it and see what you can do from there. All right, quick look around the league before we get out of here. Um, one thing I did not touch on on yesterday's show, uh, because you know I was kind of in a rush and had to get something up there, um, 
Peter Peter Laviolette is fired. (laughs) Good God, guys. This is why we do it live, so I can just do whatever the hell I'm doing there. Uh, Peter Laviolette was fired by the Nashville Predators on Monday night. Um, I wrote in a column on Gaming Today that will be going up on Wednesday. Was it the right move? I don't think so. And it's only because I don't think Nashville was really in a panic type of mode to get rid of its coach. Um, I mean, David Poile had said on the radio, you know, a few days ago that he anticipated the Predators being sellers at the deadline. To me, when I hear seller at the deadline, I don't envision that meaning firing your head coach. Um, But that is what the Predators did, and they decided to move on from Laviolette, a defensive-minded coach which who coached the uh, Predators to their first Stanley Cup final appearance in team history, to now going with John Hines, who was fired by the New Jersey Devils because they weren't winning because their offense was ridiculously good or was supposed to be ridiculously good. I don't understand the correlation between firing Laviolette and hiring Hines, but alas, that is what the Predators did. And in John Hines' first game as head coach of the Nashville Predators, they lost 6-2 to two to the Boston Bruins. Oof. <laughs> not, probably not the first opponent you want to throw a new head coach in there, but uh, David Posternock with his 32nd goal. The Predators are only five points out of the second wild card in the West. And I think that's where we need to have, that's where any discussion with the Predators needs to start. Even though Laviolette wasn't getting wins, they were only five points out of the second wild card, which again, we're talking as if five points out of the second wild card with 40 games to go is the most ridiculous obstacle or hurdle a team can overcome. I mean, we saw the Coyotes nearly come back from like 18 down with 30 games to go and still almost made the playoffs last year. So it's not like this is anything new. I mean, we saw what the Blues did, obviously. But we're, but we're talking about a team that had so that had very good Stanley Cup aspirations, albeit they failed last year in the playoffs against Dallas. But, I mean, I, I just don't understand why a team would make a move like that. You know, when you're not that far out. It, it'd be one thing if you were like 14 points out of the second wild card. You're only five back. And Winnipeg's not consistent enough to where you can say, oh, they're going to run away with the thing. So I I don't know. I didn't agree with the move. I still kind of don't. And right now, the Predators have to deal with the fact that they are 0-1 under John Hines, which I don't think was as good of a hire as as people are lamenting it out to be. So, yeah, that's my take on the Predators. Um, The Coyotes are back in tie for first place in the Pacific Division, a 5-2 victory over the Florida Panthers. A uh, big night for the big boys, Kessel and OEL with three points, Taylor Hall with two points, a goal and assist. And the Coyotes have won four straight. So I think the slow but steady approach when it comes to the Coyotes adding Taylor Hall uh, is kind of now subsided because they have won four in a row and the Golden Knights and Coyotes are back in a deadlock for first place. Uh, the other big game of the night, which was really supposed to be Probably the more exciting game of the night turned out to be a one-sided dud. Uh, 
the Tampa Bay Lightning are back, folks. They are officially back. They are winning with a vengeance eighth in a row in a matchup that featured two teams on a seven-game winning streak. The Lightning at home destroy the Vancouver Canucks 9-2 to with six goals in the second period, seven of them unanswered. That was a murder. That is classic Tampa Bay Lightning right there. Uh, classic Tampa Bay Lightning. They are back, folks. Any any uh, any reports of the Lightning's early demise are greatly exaggerated. Uh, Carter Verrey with a hat trick, Braden Point with four points, and Stammer with three. The Lightning have won eight in a row. God help us all. Uh, the Hurricanes beat the Flyers 5-4 to four in overtime. Dougie Hamilton with a game-winning goal, but that was not the biggest news to come out of Carolina this evening. Justin Williams is back with the Hurricanes, signing a one-year pro-rated deal at $700,000. Mr. Game 7 is back with Carolina as they continue to establish position in the wild-card race. So much-needed reinforcements on the way for the Hurricanes, the storm surge is getting Justin Williams back. The New York Rangers with a 5-3 to victory over the Colorado Avalanche at home, despite Nathan McKinnon scoring a goal in his 500th NHL game. Uh, the Rangers' big boys showed up. Uh, Panarin and Zabanajad with a goal each. Uh, Jesper Foss with three assists. And Igor Shostorkian with 29 saves in his NHL debut. Good win for the Metro Rangers. Is that, is that what someone called them, the Metro Rangers? They're on the Metropolitan, I don't know. Something I thought was, yeah, whatever. Uh, the Blues are off the schneid uh, after losing three straight, including the game on Saturday at Vegas. Uh, the Blues with a 3-2 victory over the Sharks in the Sharks' first game at Enterprise Center since losing Game 6 of the Western Conference Final last year. Uh, but the big news coming out of there, the bad season for the Sharks has appeared to gone from bad to worse. Logan Couture banged his left knee into the boards uh, going full speed and whew, pour one out for the Sharks. If you haven't already, just pour one out and pour another one out because no, no matter if you're a Golden Knights fan and you really don't care for the Sharks, you don't want to see Logan Couture go down like that. You really don't. Um, but another another situation gone from bad to worse for the Sharks. Uh, three to two win for the defending cup champions. The Columbus Blue Jackets, we touched on them earlier. They will be in Vegas on Saturday. Uh, they are carrying a nine-game point streak now on the road uh, into, I believe they're going to be on the road again one more time for a game before they go to Vegas. But the Blue Jackets get it done over the Ducks 4-3. to New York Islanders beating the Devils 4-3 to in overtime. Alex Ovechkin with two goals in a Capitals 6-1 victory over the Senators. Ovechkin is now tied with Timo Solane for 11th all-time in goals. He is climbing up the damn ladder as quickly as possible. Red Wings 4-3 winners against Montreal and the Flames with a 2-1 victory over the Chicago Blackhawks. So that is your look around the league 
And that will do it for us today, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, this morning, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, we are going to get out of here, uh, be back tomorrow to get you ready for the Golden Knights and the Kings. And hopefully we will be able to bring a little bit more information on that little teaser that I provided yesterday where we have something fun planned coming up next week. You do not want to miss it. As soon as I lock down the official details, I will announce it on this podcast. So that is going to do it for us, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for your patience. It is always appreciated. Uh, Again, the schedule is going to be a little bit wonky next week, but we're going to try and make it happen. Um, But until then, thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Uh, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one. 